You're listening to the Per Service Podcast, episode number 10. Hello and welcome to the Per Service Podcast. This is a show for classical musicians who are working hard to succeed in an unconventional lifestyle. Every other week or so, we publish our conversations to help musicians navigate the waters of working a 17th century career in a 21st century world. And today, here's the deal. Freelancing is a relationship-driven business. Your network is your net worth, as some motivational speakers would say. But a lot of musicians are so awkward and uncomfortable when it comes to meeting new people. So how can we improve this seemingly silly and time-wasting process of making friends in order to enjoy ourselves at gigs or further our careers? And that's what we explore today. You can learn more about us by visiting the show notes page at perservice.co slash 10. But briefly, we are Anna Luce. Hey. Hey, you want to be my friend? Um, no, that's that's weird. Christian Marshall. Don't come talk to me. I just don't mm-hmm. even want to be here. Oh, oh, okay. I I knew I shouldn't have tried to talk to Violas. Jessica Weersma. Here's my phone number. Whoa, I think things are moving too fast here. And Michael Giblin, that's me. Hey, we're all just friends and hanging out together. And Yep. Big group hang, saving room for Jesus. Well, we've got a long episode today, so let's get to it. Here we go. I'm Christian. What's yours? What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just totally mouth breathed on the what, mic. Like, what's, big time. what's your what? Yeah, what's exactly. your name? I rem- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm Christian. What's yours? Like, oh, awkward. Friend pickup lines? Friend pickup lines, oh my god. Yeah, is there, there, mm. I feel like there's got to be some... Clearly we don't have any because we don't have any pickup lines. <laughs> no. <laughs> that That's how we're friends. No. Don't know how. This is something that I think we're all evolving at and getting better at getting to know people and getting to make friends with these people that you see regularly or occasionally at gigs, but don't really know because so much of my musical education and upbringing was locking myself in a little practice room. And when you get done with that, you're not really going to sleep. Yeah. And being homeschooled. That too. Also, can we please have the theme song Getting to Know You played during this at some point? Getting to know, getting to know you. Getting, getting to, know to know all about you. you. Hey, um, this is actually funny because things that don't really set you up for friendship. Yeah. That. Um, <laughs> Wait, sing, singing the sound of... Oh no, what is that? The King and I. Maybe that. But no. also, yeah, this is great though because at a gig recently or like, um, yeah, I was out with a bunch of musicians and they could not believe that I was homeschooled. <laughs> and it's really funny because homeschoolers already have such a bad rap. You are. They're like, disgusting. <laughs> They're like, how do you know anything? How can you have an Easy educated now. discussion with Easy. the other human beings? I was like, whoa. But when you think about it, if you are not homeschooled and your parents don't care about socializing you and you spend all that time with a box of wood in a practice room alone. Or brass instrument <laughs> or woodwind instrument. Really? Yeah. Might not be so good at making the friends. <laughs> Equal opportunity. Yeah, we don't discriminate. Yeah. Those are sometimes made out of wood. That's true. Not brass. <laughs> 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 Metal or wood. Yeah. Take our pick. 
I think there are different personalities even within each instrument group or something, but a lot of musicians are more introverted and being outgoing and making friendships doesn't really come naturally to a lot of people. I I think for me, I am definitely more of an introverted person and being around people and trying to have fun and be the life of the party just like is really exhausting. And so it's a lot easier for me to just be like, Hey, rehearsal's over. Okay. I'm going to go home now. Which is funny because you're super popular. Well, I have some stories I'm going to tell, but I'm going to make it sound like an ambiguous orchestra. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. They concern you. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Michael thinks he's an introvert, but he's super popular. Great. Ah, I'm very, yes, but I think that's sort of the misconception about introverts is that. Would you consider yourself an outgoing introvert? (sighs) Yes, I think so. That I think I can act um, outgoing and I can, and I do generally enjoy people. I like getting to know people and learning from them and, you know, having a good time, but the mark of the introvert is that that is also exhausting to me. Like I don't recharge by being out and um, doing all that stuff. I recharge by going home and having me time. Yeah. Well, you also could be an ambivert and an ambivert is actually, yeah, is actually when you're an introvert and an extrovert and you can actually be recharged by both, but it just doesn't need to be. It's always not always the same combination. Like sometimes you really just do need that quiet evening at home. Or sometimes if you haven't been recharged by a exciting group of people for a while, then you, then you realize, Hey, actually I do need a really good night out to be recharged. I'm not an Andy so. Turner. I can't turn left. What am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's interesting. I never, never thought of that question. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I always, I, I always said that I was an, an introvert and people were like, no way you're an extrovert. And I was like, no, but trust me, I often need, you know, a quiet night to just recharge. I just want my alone time. And then my sister, you know, had me fill out an online survey and the answer was ambivert. ambivert. So there is Survey says ambivert. 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 Weird twice so, daily. <laughs> no, totally. Ambivert. Side effects may include oh, gas with oily discharge. <laughs> spending spending that, long periods of that time. That is a real one. If that you stinks. take like Beano, there was like, yeah. No. It was, <laughs> uh, oh, that that is actually just sharding. <laughs> no, that shark. Really, the original Beano In, commercial said like oops, side effects may include. Yeah, total no. oopsie poopsie. That's so good. I hate, it. I hate it the most. All right. Wow. We have really gone down Sorry. Here. You can okay, edit that so out, Michael. Friends. Sometimes <laughs> you have to make friends in orchestra by telling poop jokes. <laughs> I guess. Wow. So far, this is full of great advice. All of great advice, guys. We so, might need a do-over. So, so but why, why does this matter as, as performers? Like, it's all great for per- personal reasons. But as a performer, is there, is there really any value or benefit to having friendships or getting to know the people around you? Yes. Cause it can make it a more humane experience. Guys, relationships are everything, especially when you're a musician. Are they not yeah, just for getting you I, gigs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it adds to your whole wealth as a human and therefore your depth 
of things you bring to the table. <laughs> oh, crap. What's the worst? Nobody's going to want to be our friends after this. Depth nope. of things. No, but you know what I mean? I think it like it, it broadens your horizons with different different folks, different strokes, you know, with different mm-hmm. experiences, different perspectives. Sure. And also, I personally want to look across the orchestra during rehearsal and have a, a friendly face looking back. Yep. Oh, yeah. To make a silly face at or to make a like, what? Face at oh, when yeah. something weird happens. That is one of my favorite things is the like the cross orchestra communication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're like something yep. just ridiculous happens, just the whole like side head turn and be like, what? And somebody across the orchestra sees you and you. Yeah. You know what uh, I love though? A- when you're looking at one person, but another person thinks you're looking at yes. them. <laughs> Awkward. It is really funny. I had a, a friend, sadly, he no longer plays in this orchestra, but we had the, he was a cellist or he still is actually, he's still around and kicking it. He's a cellist. And he so you know, we're like sitting across the orchestra from each other. And there was this one piece where we had like 27 measures of rest or something, which for violin is weird. It's an eternity. You know, like that doesn't I happen. I cannot count to 27. And just. he used to look at me like after we were a couple measure, you know, like maybe 10 measures in or something and mouth very emphatically a different number than the rest we were actually on <laughs> to try to throw me off. And it was always like very funny because we'd actually be on 11 and he'd be like 14 and he was just in your like, and it was really funny. No. Like things like that. Yeah. You need stupid, silly things like that in orchestra to combat the sometimes just inane things that often happen in rehearsals or just like mind numbingly boring things sometimes. Mm-hmm. But Annie, you had hinted at, uh, like having friendships um, that benefit you gig-wise or getting mm-hmm. other work from that. What do you mean by that? Well, especially being in New York where I think the most, and I think this goes for any gig scene, but I've really felt it here where you have to be in the in crowd if you want to get any gigs at all, let alone good ones. And I remember like rolling up to my first gig in New York and being like, uh-oh, there's not necessarily a lot of camaraderie in these gig scenes. It's not that people aren't nice. It's just that a lot of them have been here for, you know, eight years or more, either because they were in school or whatever. There are a lot of established friendships in the city. And I've felt more of a difficulty in like penetrating the scene, like as a human and as a potential friend group. And it took mm-hmm. me like there's one gig in particular. I remember the fourth time over two years you know, my fourth service with this particular group, I felt like I could joke around with people and be welcomed. And I don't think it's that they're cold or anything. It just takes longer to warm up to people in the city because there's such an overturn of musicians too, I think. And some people are constantly moving up and some people are kind of staying on the same plane of freelancing. Mm -hmm. And it, I was like, wow, this is a new world for me because I haven't had school to build off of or, and and I mean, in DC, I didn't have the school thing either, but it was a completely different scene than here. So I definitely started out networking here in the city with the hopes of making more musician friends to hopefully get more gigs. I mean, we all have that. And I think that's an okay approach to make to friendship. It's like, let's, let's know people that I'll see at gigs. Let's hopefully I'll give them any gigs that come my way and vice versa. Yeah. I think that that's huge is that there is so much like trading and um, gigs and offering work and helping the people around you that comes from friendships that it's not just 
winning an audition necessarily or having the most impressive resume that doesn't get you work that it's all it's a it's a very relational business mm-hmm. yeah because they want to know that you're personable and they can work with you that you can be reliable if a situation well reliable like in punctuality but also reliable in character so that Mm -hmm. if something's weird or the circumstances aren't great, you're not going to be totally pouty about it. I've had several people say to me in particular, like, I'll hire you for this gig because I know you can handle if something happens that's really weird and inevitable. (laughs) <laughs> inevitable <laughs> inevitable weirdness. Right, and you're not going to pull like a diva card yeah. and start yeah. like freaking out or Yeah. Yeah. We're such a I don't know, we're just so fickle and and like we have such as a as a group, we can just be all over the place like emotionally, behaviorally, etc. It's funny though because I do think that what people actually really want though are, you know, level-headed colleagues and, and people that can handle, you know, cause music, like there can be mm-hmm. some tense moments between personnel and, but if you can handle that properly, as opposed to just freaking out and like storming off stage or storming out of rehearsal, which I've seen happen. Oh yeah. Like you're going to have a better chance of, so basically if you can just be more of a normal human, <laughs> you're, you're going to fare Fairly well. You'll do pretty well if you're just pretty normal. (laughs) Just just be normal, right? Now, I will say, Anna and I discussed this for a hot second the other night about... um, We do think there's a difference, though, um, between men and women and, like, what kind of behaviors are accepted or what we need to, as women especially, need to be more careful of. Are you talking etiquette-wise at the gig or to be called back or like to be recommended for another gig. No, like as in trying to be friendly and not being perceived women. Many times, if you're overly friendly, it's perceived as flirtatious, which actually works against you for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's with women. The men tend to love it. The women tend to hate you. That seems funny. Normally most guys would enjoy that. Oh, the men might, but but the women you're going to be in constant situations where it's really uncomfortable yeah. and it will get to the point because women will be like, well, I'm not going to hire her for something because she might. There's like well, a line that but even, you can cross between being friendly and too friendly. Totally. But even yeah. with men though, like uh, Greg and I were talking about this last night because he is really good at networking and is kind of shameless about it. I mean, he's like friendly and whatever. He's not self-promoting in a negative way, which I admire about him because I'm not mm-hmm. really sure how to navigate that sometimes. So I like try to watch him like, eh. <laughs> and he, and he was pointing out that it is different for women. He was like, I'm sure you don't feel the same way because if he emails a presenter a couple of times and is hounding them in a friendly manner to like, Hey, I'm available for this or that, like whatever. Mm-hmm. If a woman does that, I feel, I feel like there's a risk of them perceiving me as coming on to them or, or some, you know, getting myself in a situation that I can't get out of easily. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's tricky. So I feel like we have to, and I'm sure there are other cautions that men need to observe. That's my struggle. Some of that probably come, boils down to if you're doing the whole, <laughs> and I'm, I'm the most guilty of the, the group hangout like that. And that was also my, uh, high school, like, I'm we're going to hang out as friends. And that more plays into the you talking about dating difficulties, not being confident about date dating difficulties. Yeah. Because I was always the group <laughs> hangout person like, Hey, we're all just friends and hanging out together. And, uh, but 
in a colleague setting and being like friendly just for the sake of getting to know people, it probably is safer to hang out in a group groups of people instead of hanging out just with one other person in orchestra, even though sometimes that happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens. And it's not saying that, that you know, don't ever do that. Yeah. But you and, and you have to read your group of people that you're with. Yeah. I mean, I really think it's different from gig to gig. It is different. And I will say as a person who used to have quite the luxury of doing most of my gigs in the town I lived in, you are more apt in those situations to go out after rehearsal with people, you know, mm-hmm. and like get a drink or get dinner. And what my new challenge is as a person now who doesn't play as much as I would like to where I actually live, everybody's in the same boat. So, you know, second rehearsal is over. Everyone's like trucking it to their car because they have a two hour drive home or something, you know, and it's already late. So that also has changed the social situation for me, at least. Yeah, this is a really I think this is a difficult thing for people that are in a mostly like commuting orchestra or like a per service orchestra where you drive a couple hours to a gig or something. And pretty much as soon as a rehearsal or concert's over, it's like, how fast can I get to the garage and drive home? So, Oh, I play that game all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe Christian, do you have any thoughts of how do you get to know people in those kind of situations where it just seems like everybody's kind of showing up last minute and leaving as soon as they can. Do you sure. have well, any thoughts about that? First of all, if you're new to the orchestra, um, you definitely have to kind of stake out your surroundings, no, scout out your surroundings first. And just, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, stake on that. Right. Scout out your surroundings. Overnight. And um, <laughs> you just really want to be careful um, what you're going to talk about and with whom, you know, if there's something to complain about or a weird, co- something to comment on, like just make sure you know that you're not going to be dissing maybe the person in the orchestra who also is responsible for hiring subs. You never know. <laughs> so just, you always have to be careful of actually like what you're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there are plenty of little like tips and tricks um, for like conversation starters. A great one is to ask, you know, have you ever played this piece before? Or like, do you know anything else this composer wrote? Or have you ever done this? Like there's, there are little things that you can ask that don't come off as I'm trying to start a conversation or I'm looking for a friend. <laughs> no, really, you know, like little things. Yeah, no, And absolutely. I think those little things build up over time. So you just have to kind of build rapport with the colleague who's only an acquaintance, someone who's not even a friend. Yeah, I really, really like finding some exotic pieces of chocolate or just something like a little sweet or a candy, having a bunch of them and then just offering it to random people or just like, or maybe in the group. No, I'm not kidding. Just being like, Oh, you want a piece or something like you need those, you know, because then they're going to say, Oh, thanks. Or where'd you get it from? Or what's this? Or I like this too. Or no, thank you. know, I mean, it sounds so weird to like plan that ahead, but it's it's a conversation starter. So I think you just have to kind of find out like, what you're more comfortable with. And I think everybody's in a happier mood with chocolate too. Yeah, exactly. I honestly don't think that um, asking where someone went to school is a great way to start a friendship. It's like when you're at a party and maybe musicians are not and you're like, what do you do? Yeah. It can really be a barrier. And I think it's the same thing like, oh, well, where did you go to school? Because it can be a loaded question and come with like a little bit of like, oh, especially the violinist. Maybe it's a violin thing. Yeah, Yeah. well, and I was going to say, when I was in school and like specifically at um, music festivals, 
that wasn't so weird because no, it was that's more different. like, oh, where are you coming from? Okay, cool. But now we're here together. The older I get, the weirder I think that question is. Like, because yeah. it's been a lot, you know, it doesn't make, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. In some ways, in some ways it doesn't matter. And then in other ways, yeah. it does. So I agree with you, Anna. Yeah, I think yeah. just yeah. as like when you were in school asking people, oh, what are you working on? Like it was sort of this, it seems like a innocent question, <laughs> yeah, but it often like a, has right. this other connotation of trying to size up where you're at or, oh, you went to that. Yeah, right. Because usually that would be followed by, you say like, oh, I'm working on oh blah, blah, blah. And somebody like, oh yeah, I played that when I was 16. And exactly. I was like, well, okay. bye. Yep, don't care. Don't want to be your friend. Yeah. I think I think another thing in gigs that's important is also to introduce yourself to yes. the group or as many people right away mm. as soon as you're new because the original you know if you're if you're there and then you say hey I'm Jessica hey I'm Michael and you you know to each of the people individually even if you're not going to continue a conversation with them during the rest of that mm-hmm. you know gig whether it's a couple of days or a week, whatever, you've at least, you know, introduced yourself. So if you make eye contact, it's not as awkward <laughs> as, you know, no, Absolutely. really, you know, yeah. the person no, who kind of wears right. this, wears this expression of like, don't come talk to me. I just don't mm-hmm. even want to be here. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And just, you have to also be careful that you're not wearing that expression, that you don't give off the vibe of like, I'm new here and I don't know anyone, but I don't want to know anyone either. You know, wear a smile, make sure your body language says that you're open to, a spontaneous conversation during yeah. the break. Yeah, don't be on your phone during break. And also, if you're a section leader, absolutely introduce yourself to the whole section. I can't tell you how many times that I've come in like the back of seconds or something and the principal second has not mm-hmm. introduced themselves. And I think that that shows a level of a high level of disrespect to your colleagues. Yeah. If you're the new guy coming into an orchestral setting, you absolutely introduce yourself to your stand partner. And if it seems appropriate, the people in front and behind you directly. Uh, but if you're the new guy, really the other people in the section should kind of ideally introduce themselves first because they should extend the olive branch. Like, yeah. Welcome to our club. But that doesn't always happen. So you just have to be gracious. And right. Exactly. Friendly. I, was say, I think it actually falls more on the new person to introduce yourself as opposed to, cause I will say the very, very few times mm-hmm. I've come into a gig where people have introduced themselves to me. Like right. it was so rare that I am shocked. Yeah. Like to this day, yeah. I'm so like they turned around and said, hi, and I <laughs> had never been there before. Yeah. That's so rare. And so I really think it does the responsibility falls on you as a new person first and as string mm-hmm. players, like the number one rule it might like this it doesn't matter the second you sit down in that chair and your stand partner joins you you introduce yourself that doesn't oh, yeah. mean you're going mm-hmm. to be friends it doesn't mean you're even going to ever say anything but you say like oh hey i'm jessica it's really nice to meet you mm-hmm. and you offer to shake their hand if they're not like already playing a violin or something yeah. as i think like when players you know it works a little differently, but you still you introduce yourself to the people you're sitting next to at minimum before at rehearsal minimum. starts. Yeah. Right. Before right. rehearsal starts, I think that is what you must do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because, I mean, sometimes a lot of people are trying to warm up and trying to learn, like, l- cram last minute <laughs> stuff, but there's still enough time to say, hi, I'm Michael. And, the, and you know, there's usually a, a courteous way to say, it's really nice to meet you. I'm going to try to uh, quick learn this passage before we get started. And <laughs> Right. You don't have to have a long conversation right, right then, yeah. you know. Like you said, yeah. but you can't introduce yourself. I think. You don't get a, a second chance to make a first impression. Because, 
I don't know why it had to be said in that voice. But cowboy, Michael Horse Gump. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really important because the more times you see people, like if you keep seeing people over and over and over again, and then you've never really ever introduced yourself, it becomes harder and more awkward to to finally be like, hey, I know I see you all the time, but I'm Michael. I'm I'm sorry, I've never said hi or something like yeah. that. It, it becomes harder. It can be done. And I think just saying like, hey, I'm sorry, I haven't really gotten the chance to say hi ever. You can still do it, but it. Oh, totally. It is funny how orchestras work. I, I bet in a lot of orchestras, brass people don't know who all the violinists are because you kind of literally cannot see them all from how the orchestra is set up. So like in that situation, oh, yeah, I don't think it says like you don't have to run over there and introduce yourself mm-hmm. to everybody. Yeah, definitely start with the people around you. And also, well, let's take a break for a second for the actual specific pieces of advice. But is there stuff in general that you have seen people struggle with or things that you have struggled with with meeting people or getting to know people? Like sort of, I don't know, barriers that people run into? I mean, just general awkwardness. (laughs) Yeah. And I think one of them clearly is just the setup of rehearsal. You only have a couple minutes before rehearsal starts. You get maybe 15 or 20 minutes in rehearsal. And that's, I mean, that's just one of the, the basic, you know, fundamental flaws of getting to know people at orchestra is that it's, it's not really conducive to getting to know people, but there are, I think are other things that are like intrinsic that people do maybe not consciously that prevent people from getting to know them. Well, I think Anna hit it on the head earlier when hit it on the head, hit on the nail, whatever. When she said to not be on on your phone. I think our natural reaction these days is, you know, to go check your phone for text messages for phone calls. If you can try, even though again, it can be very awkward to stay off your phone during those rehearsal breaks that opens up the possibility of talking to people. And when you go to your phone, it kind of sends a signal that like, Oh, I'm checking other stuff. I'm, you know, yeah, very busy. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely been guilty of, um, when my introvert side comes out, I will use my phone as an excuse not to talk to people, like not really checking Mm -hmm. anything, just avoiding people. And I, but whenever I do that, it feels bad. You're like, I don't like this about myself. And, but you do some, you know, you have to push yourself to be social, even in moments that you don't want to, because that first impression is so important. And like, you don't want to be the, you don't want to be the squeaky wheel always, because sometimes you will notice a new person will come into gigs and they'll be hounding you to like be your friend because they, want something from you or they want to belong. And like that, that's the opposite end of this spectrum too. Mm-hmm. That like, don't be that guy. Whoa. Yeah. Nobody wants that guy. <laughs> are you talking about people that do they seem fake to you or are they just, they're needy people? Uh, both <laughs> and, or I, I feel like you can definitely be overbearing in these situations. There's absolutely a balance of be friendly, be mm-hmm. present, present yourself but then there is a point at which you have to be invited yeah. at, to the lunch table. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but you also then have to be careful not to react to any of the weirdness that's already in the group, you know, because for example, mm-hmm. I'm, I play regularly in this orchestra where somebody who he's been there much longer than I have. Um, the first couple of times I sat next to him, literally 
if there was, if we were still playing the symphony and, you know, had a couple, like 12 bars of rest, he would stare at me <laughs> during the 12 bars um, and like during the breaks and, you know, looking down at the shoes I was wearing and then I could see his eyebrows ring, you know, like, you know, he would get contemplative and then, and then move up my jeans and then like look mm. at the viola and then look, you know, and mm. I realized he's, even though that sounds creepy, I realized like that's his way that he has to like, process whoever I am. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever but nice. i couldn't i couldn't call him out on it and be like stop looking at me right no you, you know cannot because do that. you can't do that so you also have to kind of be prepared that there might be some already yeah. members of the group that might be a little bit weirder than you are and you also have to kind of make room for their personality yeah. mm-hmm. as well um i think that's important you know um, how not to make friends in orchestra <laughs> What's that? Turning around when you hear a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Whenever people do that, I write them off immediately. I'm like, forget you. You know what I'm really bad at? Actually, no, I'm only bad at it when I'm being cynical in the orchestra. Is if any of the woodwinds play like a little bit out of tune, specifically flat, I'll like raise one side of my body. Oh, yeah. Oh, I do that. I do that all the the time. It's so hard. Yeah, I sort of like... Or like when the violinist behind you plays super sharp and you're like... Uh, Sorry, that's me cocking my head dramatically. Oh! Yeah, Yeah, that's not so great. You are right, but that is... That is a hard yeah. one to not do. Definitely, it's probably definitely easier to make a list of ways not to make friends in orchestra, but than it is to. Yeah. <laughs> I will say also that sometimes it's a little tricky because you want to be with, like you know, your group of violinists or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're trying to chum it up with them, and maybe they're like a crabby old group of negative Nancys, mm-hmm. and that can be draining. And I have definitely like tried to weasel my way into groups or like been friendly and like maybe I'll hang out with this group of people for lunch or whatever. And then Uh I quickly realized they're nothing but critical. And then you have a choice where you don't associate with them as much. You can be friendly, but not spend a lot of time with them because like what if the personnel manager knows that you're a part of this group and they don't hire you back? Like there are all of these kind of politics that play into these scenarios, especially Mm. in bigger groups, I think. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I was actually going to say one thing to do to it's kind of I mean, this has been mentioned before um, in this podcast, but when you get to a gig, find the person who hired you. And thank them. That right there is not only just good, I mean, just good etiquette, but don't march yourself up to the conductor and thank them for giving you an opportunity because that does not look good, in my opinion. No, it doesn't. Unless it's the conductor is also the person who hired you, which is very rare. I just feel like that's something you need to be careful of. But at minimum, you, you go and find that person who hired you and you thank them and you introduce yourself in person if you've never... You know, if it's only been like an email or phone exchange, introduce yourself so that they can put a face with you, you know, for future. All good advice. My last thought on barriers is that with classical musicians, there is a general level of awkwardness that, yeah, we spend the majority of our time by ourselves practicing or being super nerdy about stuff that we're not always the most outgoing or socially uh I don't know. Or what the, what's the word? like? Easily approachable. Yeah, easily approachable people. And so you have to just accept that everybody does have their level of awkwardness. And it's okay. 
and even even you and sometimes i think a lot of us convince ourselves that we are the most awkward person or that we are the weirdest or the most antisocial person and it's usually not true we're all kind of usually in a pretty equal playing field that yes we're mm-hmm. all sort of equally awkward and it's okay i think don't let your own self talk that you're not a friendly person or you're not an outgoing person or you're not a social person let that inhibit you from trying to get to know people or just introducing yourself to people at minimum does mm-hmm. that make sense yeah and i think too <clears throat> excuse me frog frog alert <coughs> I think it's important, um, and I already kind of touched on this with like making yourself be sociable, but it may take a few times, especially in a bigger setting with a group that you don't get to perform with as much or, or whatever. Uh-huh. But if you are asked to go out or if there's an after party, you got to go to that. <laughs> yeah, Like you can't say no, even if you only go for like 10 minutes, you need to show your face because it shows appreciation and a willingness to be sociable. And then if you have to go because you're too tired and you can't stand it, that's fine. But like if you're asked to go out to lunch with people or to go out after the concert, got to go. Got to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If someone is yeah, extending the olive branch and inviting you to something, it's probably in your best interest to take them up on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's part so. of your job, honestly. In, in a large part, I think we as musicians, because our community is so small, we in a lot of ways pick our colleagues. And I think that's a unique mm. Um, aspect of being a musician and something that we can be very proud of, but it comes with, it comes with a little bit of pressure. We're not just here to play the notes and have a wonderful musical experience. We're here, you know, to work well with people. Mm-hmm. I think so. I love it. That's part of your yeah, job. For sure. I agree. <laughs> Which is when you really think about it, that's awesome. That going to a restaurant and getting a drink or dessert with, with people is part of your job. It could be, it could be so much worse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, usually they don't <laughs> pay for yeah. that. You still have to pay for that yourself, but <laughs> right. Have <laughs> your job description. So it's not really a perk, but it is a fun aspect of it. All right. And it doesn't always lead to more gigs, but sometimes it just leads to more enjoyable aspects of that, especially if it's a recurring gig that you play in or something, it just becomes more enjoyable to go and be like, Oh, I, I see faces now that I, I know and I can smile at you know, for a second during rehearsal, like you said, when you look up and you're mm-hmm. like making eye contact and you don't feel like you have to fall through the floor and die. Cause it's so embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, we've sort of touched on that. You can get like other work, other gigs and recommendations from people. It's more humane. It gives you more depth to understanding people. And I'm blinking out. Jess, what did you just say? It's just more enjoyable. It makes the gig more enjoyable if it's recurring. Yeah. Just kind of wrapping that up, other benefits and advantages to knowing people in your orchestra or having friendships. You can pull this into like an even larger category by saying that as classical musicians, we are having to make a shift in our priorities because it maybe used to be driven by the love of music. And in doing so, we kind of set ourselves up for a barrier between audience and um, orchestra. And I think now this push to be more personable in general applies to the orchestra of musicians or, or your chamber group or whatever. And when there's that camaraderie there in the ensemble, it definitely helps to bring down that wall between ensemble and or- and um, audience. You know, I think that like this is on an even bigger level, mm-hmm. not just for you personally and like your personal enjoyment, but I think it actually makes the experience of the performance more enjoyable. 
Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's a much bigger thought, but yeah. I think it's important. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Less boring performances, which is what I'm all about personally. <laughs> well, and it is fun as an audience member to watch people who you can tell are communicating yeah. um, with each other uh, while they're performing. For sure. A little yeah. bit different in orchestral settings, I know, but I think it can still be there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Any? Where are we going with this next? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. We've got a great list of concrete, actionable items you can take to make some new friends right after a word from our sponsors. The Per Service blog and podcast is made possible by orchestraexcerpts.com, the website that I created to help instrumentalists prepare excerpts for orchestra auditions. Look, we all know that auditions are hard, but studying the excerpts and getting sheet music for them doesn't have to be. So I created this site to make learning excerpts much easier and efficient. So if you're preparing for an audition, orchestraexcerpts.com makes it easy to listen to multiple recordings of excerpts and follow along with the sheet music right on screen in one convenient place. You can also purchase the excerpt collections, which is either clean practice parts or ones edited with bowings and fingerings and many other resources, including accompaniment practice tracks and fun videos. Whether it's for a summer festival, a youth orchestra, your school seating audition, or for the Vienna Philharmonic, you can find and listen to those excerpts at orchestraexcerpts.com. Podcast listeners can also receive 10% off any other purchases on the site by using the promo code PODCAST at checkout. And today's podcast is also brought to you by audible.com, where per service listeners can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at perservice.co forward slash audiobook. You can also find that link on our show notes page, along with a summary of all the points that we're about to cover. Again, the show notes page is perservice.co forward slash 10. Okay, let's get back to it. And sometimes you get to know people and you start a podcast later. I mean, that also happens too. Had to throw that in there. I love that. Yeah. As we wrap this up, some uh, concrete things we can do to try to make a conscious effort to be more friendly and get to know people. Christian, I think you had a great one that was food helps. <laughs> totally. Yes. Offer some chocolate to your people nearby you. Totally. Yeah. You know, if you're bringing a snack for yourself, just uh, offer share. Offer to share. During the break, not during rehearsal. Do not unpack it during rehearsal. <laughs> oh my gosh. Spread it around. <laughs> I have seen this happen. Actually, I have seen people like try to eat their dinner during rehearsal. What? <laughs> Why is wrong with and also Yeah, and, and don't like force it on people. Just be like, you know, when you unpack it or whatever, just be like, oh, hey, do you want a piece or do you want to try this? Like, you know, it's just, a, it's only to be used as a casual icebreaker. Yeah. You know, yeah. the doctor's Be about. genuine. Like, Ooh. yeah, exactly. Like Christian yeah. was saying, don't force yourself or chocolate or snacks on people <laughs> just be genuine and you know say hi yeah i think and make yourself if, introduce yourself to your you know at least the people you're immediately by that's different depending on what you play in the gig um just immediately introduce yourself i actually think it's upon you to do that when you're the new person yeah so. i think if you want yeah if you want to if you want a friend you got to be a friend you have to genuinely care about people yeah and also be prepared when you go in to cut everybody some slack like you don't know 
what's going on in their lives and they could just be having a bad weekend. So if they don't seem so friendly or don't want to take your chocolate, like it's fine. Remember, you can only see a Polaroid snapshot of somebody else's life. You don't know what's going on in the background in real life. Like you only see a still. So, you know, cut other people some slack. Not everyone has to be friendly. If you realize someone is not so talkative, it's okay. Move on. Move to the next person. Don't Don't waste... Overbearing. Exactly. Don't waste energy you know, trying to get them to talk to you or even wondering why they don't want to talk. Just move on. There are other people in the orchestra that you can talk to. Yeah. And if you're back another week, you can try to talk to them again because you don't know what's going on. And also in that vein, especially if it's your first or second or even third time playing somewhere, still treat it kind of like your audition process Mm -hmm. and don't talk poorly about other people in the orchestra. So, you know, don't go up to somebody and be like, oh man, my stand partner's totally blowing it tonight. Don't do that. Oh yeah. There's kind of a sort of sacred relationship with a stand partner. I feel like even if your stand partner is really screwing up, there's kind of like, there has to be sort of that safety. For sure. Because you're, you're the person that has the m- most direct exposure to what they're actually playing. And most people... Even a stand in front of them or behind them can't really tell. But as a stand partner, there has to be sort of this trust. And I just, in general, I try not to talk badly about stand partners ever, even if they're just blowing it. Mm -hmm. And don't mark your part for them. I've had people (laughs) do that to me and it makes me want to kill them. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a, I mean, this is a whole unacceptable. Well, we, we could like cross into etiquette. that's a whole episode on yeah. passive oh. aggressiveness. Well, and etiquette. You're right. Yeah. Like, so yeah. this is kind Which of which we totally need an episode on because there's so many things. Oh, man. But I think we can still touch on a few things that are like how not to make friends. Just just a few. Yeah. Because recently I was at a gig where someone in my section was really mad at the conductor and said so several times, like in the dressing room. <laughs> In, on the stage. Yeah. I think there's a re- video recorder going on. <laughs> you just can't do that. And oh, yeah. even like, I remember my teacher telling me, don't even say anything you would regret in the parking lot because, or at a local, the local pub or whatever, <laughs> because you don't know who's around and you just have to be on your guard. If you yeah. feel the need to complain, call a third party who is <laughs> unfamiliar with the situation. If you really need to get something off your chest. Yeah. Because it's better to make friends if you appear, you know, we touched on being genuine, but you have to be genuine and be friendly and not expect anything in return. If you are given the opportunity to become friends with someone and you're lucky enough to get asked to do a gig from that person, there is a there is an etiquette there where friendship, the friendship will be, there's no chance for the friendship if you just like jump right in and be like, hey, I know you play this gig. Can you get me in? Yeah. You have to build that relationship yep. first. And even then... You have to kind of censor yourself, like be present, be friendly, but don't be pushy about what your agenda yeah. is because people pick mm-hmm. up on that. They know immediately if you're right. not sincere. And, yeah. True. True. Keeping going in that sort of like conversation piece. And uh, do you have advice on what to actually talk about? Because a lot of people, I mean, just sort of hate this sort of small talk before rehearsal starts. What do, what do you actually talk about? How do I really get to know people with, with just like such a limited time? I feel like it usually mm-hmm. starts with mutual friends. It usually... Um, you find out who your uh, mutual friends are by yeah. asking the... Yeah, by stalking them on Facebook. The, like, <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 but, or not specifically not asking the like, so where did you go to school? Uh, question. Are there 
some guidelines for questions that generally do better than others or sort of some landmines you should avoid. I think that's a big landmine is try to avoid topics that are seem like you're just sizing them up. Who did you study with? Where did you go to school? I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's not really a blanket statement. Like sometimes you are curious to know, and sometimes that helps determine the, oh, you went there also? Do you know, Jimmy, what's his name? I think that can actually be fine conversation, but I think it should be avoided as the first thing you ask them. Yeah. Like, yeah. where do you live? Or do you that's live a different chin yeah. rest. Where did you get that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, go with neutral topics as opposed to, like, that might open them up. Maybe they really love the specific borough or town they're in and they want to talk about mm-hmm. that. You kind of have to feel out and you have to approach. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think I, I'm, I think you actually kind of have to do the small talk, honestly, at first. Yeah, and I know that it. It, nobody really loves it, mm-hmm. but I, that is kind of how you get to know people and, or just show that you're interested too. You can have small talk and be genuine about it. I think I'm becoming a fan of, you have to ask open-ended questions. You can't ask the just the general "How are you?" is usually doesn't usually lead anywhere. And especially if you're going from the dressing room to the stage, or you're going from you're just sort of seeing people in passing. You're not really in a in a place to talk to them. Just they're like, "Hey, how are you? Good, good. Okay, that it's usually doesn't go anywhere." So, what's your example of an open-ended question? Um, well, the like, Hey, are you from around here or the, have you played here or how long have you played here? Or, I don't or know. do you have a great, you know, recommendation for a lunch spot? Ah, like, yeah. You know, uh, good one. one. Yeah. That's that oh, the musicians they, usually they generally like food, then you can be their friend. And if they don't really love food, then eh. yeah, <laughs> you don't need them as a friend anyway. Yeah. 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 Definitely Music like and it. food, man. Yeah. yeah, no, that's true. That's a great one. Like, is there a good coffee place? Mm-hmm. Or do people go to lunch around here? That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's especially good if if you find out that your stand partner or whoever you're talking to is local, and if you have driven in and you're like generally want to find a good place to eat, which generally makes the gig yeah. so much more enjoyable if there is a great place to eat that you learn true. about. And if you're oh, in your 20s so or 30s, good. I think it's important. This is a topic that comes up a lot, but people who are in however old a person is, it's not usually the generation below them that they worry is going to steal their job. It's two generations. And I think that showing respect to your elders and acknowledging the authoritative presence of another instrumentalist, whether or not you personally respect them as a musician, respect their their process and the fact that they've been through a lot more than you have. And I just think that you have to show a respect to the people that are older than you are and have seen more than you have. Yeah. I mean, basically, be nice, right? And and <laughs> yeah, I think be nice and be a positive person. I think in general, try to look for the good and and be a generally pleasant and available person. I think whatever that means. And Anna was saying, um, acknowledge that you know people who have been there longer have more experience than you. So also understand that you still have things to learn and you don't know everything. So don't go in there with an attitude of. I played in my school orchestra, so I know how it's done because we spent time doing whatever. Right. Jess, I sort of something I think that you're really good at sometimes is when you are in like awkward situations or talking with uncomfortable musicians or whatever, sometimes you have to offer more information or sometimes you have to get the conversation ball rolling. If Especially if you have an exchange of just closed ended questions that are just like, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. The conversation is going to be over maybe if you don't offer a little more 
I don't know, more information about yourself, especially if it's at a first encounter. Yeah. Again, it kind of depends on who the person is. You know, you can kind of read it. Sometimes you can just tell like mm-hmm. after asking a couple more things or whatever, you're going to get the one syllable answer. And you're like, all right, that it's not going to go great. See you. And then, you know, you just like, like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to go warm up now or whatever. Yeah. And I also, when I do offer a little bit more information, if I am interested in getting some conversation going, I am careful that it's pretty uh-huh. general information and not something that they can like go find me out online or something. I don't know. I am very careful about that kind of stuff, actually. Yeah, that you're just... Um, because I've had issues <laughs> in the past. Yeah. I don't know. But sometimes, you know, you can just be like a little... Yeah. Act a little crazier than maybe you normally are. Because that's how I feel. I'm I. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of putting on a little bit of a show to just be like, oh, man, I had a great coffee this afternoon <laughs> at this random place. Have you ever heard of it? Although usually Christian said it comes back to food. Yeah, <laughs> and, this you know, is exactly. It, it's because it's a neutral thing. And if they don't like coffee, that's fine. But you're not. Well, yeah, which is fine. I mean, yeah, the yeah. weather, the food, I think, are usually safe topics. You can. And you're of... also not saying this is my exact address or like, here's my phone number <laughs> or this or, is ah. the route I walk to go to my car. You know what I mean? You're not doing that kind of stuff, which I think is right. Yeah, not that they're usually like. crazy people but you know especially as a lady you gotta watch yourself (laughs) that's true yeah Hmm. yeah any other thoughts i think that's uh we have a pretty good list going and if you have any lists or ideas that we have forgotten please leave us comments guys i'm sure we have missed some stuff so let us know absolutely you can this is episode 10 if you go to perservice.co slash 10 or leave a comment in the iTunes review yeah. we always love hearing from people what they think other advice they have I think All it's right. that time that has been another successful episode of the Per Service Podcast I'm Michael Giblin. I'm Anna Luz I'm Jessica Wiersma and I'm Christian Marshall well that is our show folks I have a nice summary of all those points on the show notes page, which again is at www.perservice.co slash 10. That's P-E-R-S-E-R-V-I-C-E dot C-O slash 10. And let us know again if there's anything that we missed. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating or review in iTunes. It just helps other musicians find our fabulous little show. If you have a question you'd like to ask us you can ask it in your itunes review or on the comments of the show notes page or you can record it using the speak pipe widget also on the show notes page and don't forget you can find us on instagram under per service podcast and share with us your hashtag gig of the week well we'll be back in two weeks with another great episode so until then look up say hi be nice eat some chocolate be well and practice well